Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and uh, what a joy it is to preach the good news to you. May God bless your ears and heart that you have the hope and peace that we have in Jesus Christ and that the Lord changes your view of the world, that you see things as he does with the love of his son, Jesus. If you want to support his mission here at St. James through Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org and donate. Thank you for listening. What do you think I Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. In the name of Jesus, amen. Last week I uh, was coming, or no, I was in, in my office and uh, got a phone call, and Emily tells me, Mike's on the phone. I'm like, I don't, who's Mike? And uh, I know a lot of Mike's actually, but uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not Mike Welch, it's not... Uh, so uh, I get on the phone, and he says, Hey, Pastor, come on outside. It's a beautiful day. Come and sit with me. It was interesting, like, first introduction ever to this guy. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I uh, go out, and here's Mike sitting on the, one of our benches there. And got to talking, and uh, Mike's had a troubled time. Um, kind of lays out his, his story there, and he, he'd been in, uh, been in prison for 17 years, he said. Um, and had been out for a couple of years and trying to make a go of it, trying to get a job. Of course, it's really hard to, no matter how many programs, there are programs out there. I talked to him other programs, and he's like, yeah, but no one does these. And, and uh, anyhow, it means just down on his luck. And living with the consequences of his actions, too. He's frustrated. He actually kept on asking me, what am I doing wrong? You know what I mean? Like literally, desperately, what can I do? What am I doing wrong here? Because he had a job and he was here because he had some guy he was working with and this person probably, uh, I, I, I don't know, didn't, I don't think he had a driver's license. This guy's doing kind of work. You know what I mean? Just kind of things roll together. So he's helping him out while well, this guy got caught. So now he can't and now he has no job and just kind of all tumbles together. And I think it's really important for all of you to remember that life is one bad decision away for you. <laughs> but he's, he was tired, sitting in front of the church, because people do that. Why? Because they know for whatever reason, and I don't mean just financially, by the way, there's got to be answers. Someone's got to care. So I got to tell him about the story about Hannah that we're going to talk about. Because I think it really fits perfectly. When you're seem like you've been praying and trying or whatever and nothing's working and it doesn't seem like God gives a hoot. It's taken forever for a prayer to be answered. And I told him, don't stop praying. Two years is, yeah, it's a long time, but don't stop. I also told him, your prayers will be answered, actually. You keep praying to that God, I promise you, it will be answered. You're going to be okay. In fact, eventually, I mean, you're going to be okay. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Your prayers will be answered. So I told Miss Hannah's story, beautiful story, as we talk about these heroes of the Old Testament, unexpected heroes, but more importantly, unexpected grace from God. And Hannah's just a great example. Yeah, we got the fumbling ding-dongs we've talked about so far, whether it's Moses or Abraham, but Hannah, I will say, she's one that's not quite uh, as silly. She was married to this fellow named Elkanah. 
that she was barren. I'm sure they'd been trying, they couldn't have any kids, and it had been a while. And it's frustrating. And you know, and I said this before, we see these stories, I mean, the barren woman motif is the woman of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Someone with nothing. And, and I think she symbolizes not just, not just actually the barrenness and the, the, uh, the frailty or the weakness or the brokenness, but also all of our barrennesses. But here's Hannah, she's frustrated, and it's shameful because you can't have kids, and I'm sure she has friends out there that have the kids, right? As they're getting older, they get married, and now they're showing off all their kids, and she tries to hang out with them, but it doesn't feel good because you, you feel jealous, you get angry, and you start disappearing from those friends. This happens today. You feel inadequate. You can't be what you were made to be. You feel poor because you're not having the kids like your friends. You let down your husband. This, hap- this is real. This is, not, this is not old and medieval times. This is today. We have, we have infertile couples right in this congregation that struggle with this and have all the same feelings that Hannah was having, a lacking and emptiness. What does she do? She went to God. And you do that when you don't have any other answers and this or that's not working. This solution's not happening. You can't do anything else. So where are you going? You're going to God. You have nowhere else to turn. And so she goes there and she's praying constantly. Every time they went to the tabernacle, she is there. To this place, Shiloh, where they prayed, she was there. And it wasn't formality anymore for her. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're a kid or whatever, you stand up, you sit down, you say the words. That doesn't mean you don't believe, by the way. But at some point in our lives, the words, which are good, that were given to us as a kid, at some point, we get to really know what they mean when we're in a situation like Hannah. Does that make sense? We say the words, we know that God is merciful, Jesus forgives, all these things, and that's good. Nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian just because you're not feeling it. But at some point through our experience, we actually learn what that means. And Hannah was learning it. She was desperately praying to God for even just one child. Have you been there? Or you pray not because you're a good Christian and you know you're supposed to pray, but because there's nowhere else to turn. So she's here, and and we read this earlier. And first of all, I think a wonderful example to us. Where do you go? You go to God. Thank you, Hannah, for your faith and your leadership in that and showing us this beautiful move going to God. And she goes, and uh, um, Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord, and she was deeply distressed. And she prayed to the Lord, and she wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you'll indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. In other words, I will dedicate him. He will work in this temple for you. I 
You don't need to be polite or formal when you pray. You don't need to get yourself all cleaned up before you pray. You can let it out. She's bitter. She's distressed. She's praying for real this time. I encourage you to, it's okay. You can just pray like this. She probably wasn't thinking exactly for the right words to say. She's just saying it. And she's crying before God, and that's okay. And I'll bet she was even saying stuff like, why and how is it taking so long, or what is going on? And that's okay. It's okay to be real with God. And as she's continuing to pray before the Lord, Eli, the priest, observes her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard, right? So it's in her head, in her heart. And therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. I, think, I thought this was interesting. And then I kind of got it this morning. I think that Eli's used to people, and there's nothing, again, there's nothing wrong with formality and going through the motions. There's nothing wrong with that. Because sometimes you do. And the motions carry you through, and the word of God carries you through, and saying the right prayers, all these things, they keep you going. But she was doing something Eli may not have seen much of. She was desperately praying. She wasn't all prim and proper. She's on her knees and she's crying. And she's like mumbling and not making sounds. And it mean, so Eli's like, you must be drunk because you're just so into this prayer. I really think that's what's going on. And I think that's why that's written for us. That that's where Hannah is at in her life. Doesn't care about what people think she looks like. She's focused on the Lord. So he says, how long are you going to go on being drunk? <laughs> Put away your wine from you. You know, I, I, I really do think when we see people desperate like that, I do think we judge. Must be drunk, crazy that you're that desperate. We all get that desperate, my friends. If not now, you will be on your knees one day. And you will be desperate for an answer and you will have nowhere else to turn. Put away your wine from you. And Hannah answers, No, my Lord, I am a troubled, a woman troubled in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul for the Lord. So you, beautiful Hebrew play on words, right? I've not, I'm not drunk, but instead I'm pouring out my soul. Again, this is a poetic language. She's not saying it to be cute. She's doing it. Pouring it all out. Nowhere else to turn, nothing left to lose. Kind of praying. And it only happens when things happen in your life. You can't force, we try to force ourselves to be like this during Lent. And it's good, it's healthy. But you will experience a Lent in your life. And I don't know what it might be. If it's an illness, if it's your own barrenness, if it's a broken relationship or a kid that's gone astray or a mom that you haven't seen for years or a job that's failing you or maybe you failed and you have sinned and you have pushed people away, maybe you're in some way barren like Hannah and you're pouring out that soul and you don't know any answers except for somehow, God, you can take care of this. Don't stop praying. 
Hannah kept on going. Don't stop. And I told this fellow that. Keep praying. Sometimes it feels like a long time. The Israelites were enslaved for 430 years. And I bet their faith went up and down. But did God finally answer? Yes. And when God answers, it feels like those 430 years were zero. Or that two year, that one year, whatever it is that you've waited for. And I bet some of you know what that feels like too. To think you've waited forever and then that prayer is answered. Or God somehow heals. And then it seems like it wasn't that long. Keep praying. You. Don't stop. Hannah says, I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Don't regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along, I've been speaking out my great anxiety and vexation. And Eli answers this. Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. This is, this is not a position, what is a position of weakness, but it's a position of humility. Hannah is an example to men and women of humility, of honor knees, Lord, you're in charge. I give you this challenge, Lord, and you're the only one that can do it. But also in her life to this guy, I'm your servant. That's how Christians talk to one another. And then she says, let your servant find favor in your eyes. And then Samuel writes, the woman went her way and ate. And her face was no longer sad. So her prayer wasn't answered yet. But something changed before the answer of the prayer. And what I love about the story here is Eli listened to her. That's an answer to prayer. Eli heard her, and Eli heard her petition and spoke to her. I think this is a big deal. And it meant the world to Hannah. Because this is actually how it works. God may speak right to you in your ear. Absolutely, that happens. You see that in the Bible. But oftentimes he speaks through a person. And Eli is that person. Quite frankly, it's his job as the pastor of this area, right? To hear this and to tell her this. But it's a beautiful thing. It's my job to listen, to confirm that petition. That is the Lord listening to you. And to encourage and to remind you of the promise, God hears prayers, Eli says to her. And that lit her up. That's what I'm doing for you today. For you who've been praying for a long time, desperately. May God grant you your petition. That's what I did for Mike. But it's not just the pastor's job. It's your job. God puts you in, in people's lives to listen, to pray with, to hear that prayer, and to be the external voice and say, God loves you. God hears you. God will answer you. This keeps us going until that prayer is answered. And quite frankly, it gives us a certain peace, doesn't it? 
Who do you have in your life that you need to hear, that you need to lift up and be an Eli to? And what are your desperate needs that you need God to answer? Don't stop. Finally, I told, told Mike as we talked about this, and we helped, him out, we helped him out. I helped him out with some things. I said, all your prayers will be answered. That's a pretty bold thing to say. I really believe that. I think it's a good thing to say. It's a correct thing to say. All your prayers will be answered in Jesus Christ. He is the yes to all your barrenness. Everything. He has died. He has risen. And it's going to be okay. You're going to be healed. You're going to be forgiven. You're going to live in relationships that aren't broken and nasty. You're no longer going to worry. You're no longer going to be stressed out one day. All prayers are answered in Jesus. Even Hannah's. Her prayer comes. What did she say? She said, if I'm given this child, I will give him to in service to the people here at this tabernacle. And sure enough, she has that kid. And Samuel comes on the scene, names him Samuel, gives thanks to God. She takes care of him. And at some certain age, a young age, young, young ladies, imagine this. She gives him back to the temple to serve. And that Samuel grows up and he becomes the leader of Israel and he ends up anointing David, who's going to be the first king of Israel and the greatest king of Israel, although God gives David a promise saying, you're going to have a son who's going to reign forever. And that David has a son, then a son, then a son, then a son, and then a woman who's not just barren, empty, but a virgin Mary has a son because God heard your prayers and more than Hannah gave up his son to serve you and on that cross died for Hannah and Elkanah for Moses and Abraham for you and me prayer answered you are forgiven God listens and God loves. And he rose again three days later. Prayer answered. The grave isn't the end. Your mourning won't last forever. And this is no longer a hope. It happened. Jesus rose. Historical fact. So now we know, not just believe, that one day it will be answered. It's going to be okay. And in the meantime... Have patience. May God bless your waiting. That could be some of the greatest times of learning to depend and prepare you to receive. God answers all prayers in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.